they've never yeah. been given societal permission to just whew, the out breath. They've never experienced that. So if I can create something based on the talisman of my parents who don't have chill, like I can create a space that everyone is welcome, that everyone should discover within themselves what that feels like when they're actually truly chilling and they can then they have the ability to extract more joy from moments is something that I didn't grow up around, but I want to provide in a non-pressure way for our community. It's an invitation. Yeah, yeah. It's a permission slip. Welcome, welcome to Horror Pod. I am with the very ape friends, the fabulous, the wonderful, very ape friends. Now, I am a witch, and I am a witch who is god-fucking-awful at technology. So thank you for bearing with me. Um, like, honestly, if I don't think it if it weren't for spells, I don't think I would be able to accomplish anything in this space because I am literally, like, I feel like I have to just constantly teach myself and it's so frustrating and I continuously fail at it every fucking day. Were you born under a mercury retrograde? Did Mare tell me that? Or did you tell maybe, me that? Maybe I was. I know, like, there's a lot of mercury in my chart and when there's Mercury retrograde, I always like have crazy, amazing adventures. The first time I met you guys was during Mac Mercury mm. retrograde. Um, but I want to say I'm fucking fans of you guys. Uh, I'm fans of your show. I'm fans of the art you've created. I have this bad habit of creating art and then losing it or destroying it or going and hiding under a mountain or digging myself in a hole. So unfortunately, we've recorded several episodes. This is our third <laughs> and this is really coming out. It's coming out for fucking reals. Hell yeah. The Chronicles, um, the trilogy. <laughs> the, the trilogy. But okay, drugs. I wish I was on drugs right now. Mm. And I really want to talk to you guys about drugs. Oh, absolutely. It feels like it feels like drugs come in to me, like they get blown into the wind and they show up on my doorstep. But whenever I want them, I cannot find them. And it feels like it's very specific for me. And like, I haven't tripped in over a year. Wow. Damn. And I've like called them in. I've searched for them. I've looked high and low. 
And I was just wondering, like, do you guys feel like everyone's supposed to trip? Why is it, like, hard sometimes to find it? Mm. Probably because you're not supposed to trip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like I am. Don't you feel like you kind of always are? Yeah. I mean, we actually were just talking about this yesterday. Like, how our evolution from first discovering psychedelics and proselytizing about it all the time and evangelizing anyone that would listen. Like, you got to try this stuff to now. I'm like, I don't really recommend this stuff unless you really have space to turn your life upside down and examine yourself from the inside out. Like why take this little thing what for a funny night like i mean look they're life-changing they've really helped our lives they define our lives in a lot of ways and are were our gateway to spirituality but uh yeah i don't know it's not for everyone it really is not for everyone i also feel like if you want these drugs you might not be looking hard enough given that you're friends with us (laughs) exactly (laughs) You might just be asking the universe, but not asking the people within the universe that you know. You're like, (laughs) hey, I want these drugs to just land on my doorstep and someone to ship them to me without me asking anyone to ship them to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, witches say to always be very specific, but I feel like with my desires, I just put a wish in the bottle and throw it in the ocean. Mm. And then I'm like, if it's supposed to come, it will come. If it's not, it won't. But that makes me to be a very uh not someone you can rely on you know what i mean yeah definitely. <laughs> like like just riding the fucking waves and like drowning in the ocean sometimes and sometimes it's like beautiful but like schedules and like seeking things out specifically and like coming to certain people sometimes i'm like man that's something i really need to work on yeah. and then other times i'm like that's just me trying to have control over the universe that I can't really have control over. I think this is why that's such a this is such a like a, a true cosmic partnership when we found each other. It felt like we really filled in the blanks in each other's lives in a way that like I didn't even know was possible. I didn't even know I was lacking in certain areas till Cass came in with some different energy and I don't know, finding my twin flame is what's allowed me to do anything anyone's proud of me for. So I wouldn't say that. No, it's yeah. true. I mean, I don't know. I haven't really done much anyone even knows about until I met you. It's also not true, but I appreciate no. the sentiment. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I like that thought, though, because I think, like, we're taught hyper-independence in a way. Mm-hmm. That you have to be single or on your own to, like, really accomplish the thing. And sometimes I am so much more creative when I'm being held by someone who can put bounds, can put that foundation and structure. Yeah. yeah. I literally what sometimes you... feel like nothing when, when Cass isn't around and I, I don't have someone to play with or bounce things off of. I tend to go extremely non-expressive, almost blank, you know, like I, I need people around. I need an audience. I need in order to get the gears going. I feel like. Are you a projector in human design? What am I? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I think I'm a projector. Yeah. 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 I'm a projector too. And it's like, we usually, like, we do kind of feel like nothing energetically. Yeah. Because we need the generators and the manifesting generators to sort of generate that energy for us. Mm -hmm. And I used to think that was like bad in me because it's kind of feels like codependent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Our society's like, don't be codependent. (laughs) But literally, as projectors, we don't make that energy on our own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, why not be codependent? I mean, as a person who is codependent, I'm like, 
my life's been fantastic since I met Cass and we became codependent on each other. And I don't know, it's a, th- this idea that gets drilled into us about independence, I think has to do with uh, capitalism and the workforce and your labor being exploited and all this stuff. And it just like, it gets drilled into you in the form of values and uh, we don't question them. Like that, there's certain values that are like unquestionable and certain rules that we just don't question at all. And I, that's just one of them immediately. Cause I remember I felt weird at first when we really just started doing everything together all the fucking time, including running a business, making art, dating people together, like all of this stuff. I'm like, this is awesome being codependent. Like I need Cass and she needs me. So that makes me have to be a better person. So she wants to be around me. You know, it, it really, it's an accountability thing for me. It just like, it ups my game across the board. So I don't see why it's a bad thing. I could see how it can be like anything become toxic, but there's probably a level of toxic independence too, you know, where you're not connecting with people oh or you're keeping people uh, at, at arm's length, you know. There's such a level of toxic independence, but what is your definition of codependency? Uh, hmm. I feel like we reliance, yeah, you know, reliance. We, we, we rely on each other, uh, to when, when the light goes out for me, it usually doesn't for Cass. So I rely on her to be the beacon light in my life. I find it sometimes difficult to make decisions alone without consulting Sean. Cause if I feel like I'm only half of a puzzle, you know? Yeah. I feel like we're able to, um, this isn't a definition of codependence, but it just the way it applied to our life. We're able to get a lot more done. Because I think we're both people that could toil a little bit and like, oh, is this the right decision or is that the right one and whatever. We're both, when we come to each other with a question, we're very like decisive and we're able to make decisions pretty quickly. And I think that's allowed us to plow through and make like, I don't know, we made like 13 films together and almost 300 podcasts and a bunch of other stuff that the people don't even know about. But uh yeah it's it's helped us i think move through creative territory with a with a quickness and a swiftness uh that previously i hadn't tapped into and i didn't really even consider myself an artist until i tapped into this so i'm dependent on her to show me i'm an artist to begin with and that's where it all started really yeah that's so beautiful like we do need the audience as the artist that reflection Cause that's the conversation. Like when I'm on stage, like the goal is to have a fucking conversation. Mm-hmm. But what's really beautiful about Cass is she's like, she wears business so well yeah. and she like wears responsibility so well, but even in like a fun way. Yeah. And I, I feel like projectors were literally just not supposed to work in this life. <laughs> like we didn't come here to work. Like working's not part of our thing. Like I need a cast. Yeah. Like totally. my podcasting would be so less frustrating for everyone yeah, if I yeah, had a yeah. cast, <laughs> you know, cause it's just like someone to do that for me. Cause I'm like off thinking about like magic yeah. and sex and like yeah. healing and trauma. And it's like, Oh wait, I have to do these like logistical computer things. Like mm. it's like hell for me. Well, and there's for every person who needs a cast, there's a cast who needs a person, you know, a projector to like, I like making good ideas happen, but sometimes they're not, I have my fair share of good ideas as a manifesting generator, but, um, someone to really work towards and do it for, because when I do stuff for myself, I I lose, I don't have the same 
follow through. You know, it's like cooking me- a meal for yourself. Sometimes you really have to get into like dating and loving yourself, but it's almost like a cop out. You're like, I love you so much. It's easy for me to cook for you, you know, or whatever it is. Make these things yeah. happen. Make a podcast come together or whatever. It, it's harder for self-doubt to linger around in, in the way we are in our dynamic because we're just very honest with each other. And, um, if we're not being honest verbally, it's hard to uh, not be honest with our expressions because we know each other so well. Like we know each other better than people that have been together 50 years, but they go off to jobs every day or they got distracted with this or that. Like Cass and I aren't more than this far apart fucking ever. Really? Like, it's yeah. crazy. Cass will go to the store by herself and she'll come back and we'll share, like, a big minute-long hug. <laughs> and the reunion is happening. And, like, it's it's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I think I, I think not everyone would know how to exactly use this type of partnership in this way. But also the way psychedelics might not be right for everyone at every point in their life. Like, this kind of relationship might not be right for everyone. Like, Sean, like he's saying, he's a projector. And I don't know if you have this, but he has, like, no inner authority. So I think that a lot of times he can find himself very frustrated because his power is just like iner- inherently given away a bit. So to, for him to claim his power and the authority, I think this kind of relationship is helpful for you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It, it brings, <laughs> on, that's, all, that's what I'm trying to get to is like it brings out the best in me because there's an accountability. The person I love and adore most and helps me live my life the best uh, is is my business partner so it brings out the best in me i want to bring you the best ideas i want to like have the most fun times and high times and inspiring times and go as deep as we can and build the most memories and do all that stuff and i don't think that's something people normally do with their business partner but i think it's made our business relationship you know so much deeper that we're lovers and it's made our films better. It's it's allowed us to take that little extra step that people would be afraid to take by themselves. Yeah. Because it's too vulnerable. Yeah, and you know, Lacey, the gauntlet that is relationship. So just imagine, like, making that commitment on every level <laughs> and then going through it. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking. Well, you're creating life together. You know, yeah. you may not be creating a baby, but you're creating your own portals of life forms through your art. Yeah. And that makes sense to me that you would do it together. It'd be fucking weird if you were creating like beautiful art that was affecting others' lives just with other people, you know? And like, I feel like I am a very codependent person in a lot of ways. And I force myself to be single. And I've realized that I force like love out of my life sometimes because I'm like, oh, you have to be at a certain level of responsibility before you can get a dog. You have to be a sort of level of responsibility before you can date or you can do this. And I keep telling myself, I need to get here and be this sort of independent and and consistent before I can like let that love in. Mm. But then it just becomes this thing you're always chasing. And yeah. Then you live a life depleting yourself of love. Mm. Yeah. Because you think you have to be at a certain level to receive it. I've I've heard this a lot, I feel like, from people is like this, like, I'm single because I'm not ready yet. Or like, like almost like their life is training to eventually be in love or whatever. And it's like really not yeah. how it happened for us. Like, when, you know, if you want to use our story as an example, as something to look up to, which I hope people it would, you know, <laughs> like we're a pretty awesome couple. Like, I just think what this stuff we've been able to do is pretty cool. But we yeah. met each other like I like I was just telling Cass this the other day like I'm not the, the 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 boy you met I'm not him at all I can barely remember him 
you know, he, I thank him because he got me to this place, but he was a fucking mess. I needed Cass, you know, and she was a fucking mess and she needed me. We, we needed each other. We didn't know it on any kind of intellectual plane and we weren't expressing that to each other, but yeah, I'm we probably afraid. met each other at the most inconvenient time ever to fall in love. And these people that I see that are getting very caught up in like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm like, you won't know when you're ready. You will have no idea. It will so yeah. sweep you off your feet. It'll so bowl you over that there's no amount of training that can get you ready for that moment. It's a fucking, it's like trying to surf a tidal wave, you know? It, yeah. It's like, just give up. Just give up and fucking ride this thing. And, and <laughs> That's why I think, I mean, it's been a minute since I've been single, but when I think about, you know, that time and the, I have the charge through my relationship with Sean, but I feel like when you're single, you have this, like, you don't know who you're going to meet around every bend. You know, you don't know right. who's going to, like, it any, is magical. It's so magical. There's something magical to like, I don't know, my person could be in this grocery store. My person could be at this fucking Christmas party at this gas station, whatever, you know. But you have to like be open to it also. Mm. There's a way we can totally put up energetic shields or block ourselves sexually or like witches talk about like glam magic a lot, like doing spell to make you feel more beautiful on the inside. And then it like shines through the outside. And no matter how you think you look in the mirror, you just become this like sexual magnet or this magnet for love or kind of what yeah. you're seeking. Yeah. But, you, but you have to be conscious of that, you know? And I put up these walls like a lot mm. because even just you saying like you needed each other like makes me kind of go Ugh, inside like it makes me tighten up because i'm like i'm not supposed to need anyone like yeah. i can't need anyone yeah. and there's this like little girl self in me simultaneously who didn't have parents who didn't have that thing who's like secretly like maybe i'll go in the grocery store and this person will save me mm. they'll love me like we'll have a whole new life together they'll save me they'll save me so there's there's this internal conflict of one hand being like no i don't fucking need anyone ever that's the goal yeah and this other little person who's screaming like please rescue me please save me please love me forever no yeah. one's ever loved me love me well uh, when i hear that i hear someone saying save me from self-consumption like, please give me something else. Give me, give me another canvas to play with. Give me somebody to bounce something off. Like, cause, cause I think that's part of the thing. I think it's part of why it hijacks our system in, into our thirties and forties. If we remain single is like that little voice. That's just like, or you're really going to do, you're going to go at this alone. Like, really, you're going to really take on life on your own. You better find your person. You better, f you know, start building something, building something. But Really, I, I think why that voice gets set off is because it's not, it's not natural for us to be that self-consumed that late into life, you know? So voices, alarm bells start going off left and right in the form of anxiety, depression, fucking physical issues, whatever. And this isn't to say this is, this is what happens to single people at all, but this is what happens <laughs> to people who are ignoring their yearnings and putting a bunch of societal rules on something that should feel very magical and whimsical and spontaneous and uh yeah it's it's kind of like like all things in our society it kind of gets it gets distilled down to like a chunk of nothingness you know meaninglessness yeah. you know i think i think that's what capitalism does to things it just sucks the the true meaning out of things and tries to replace it with a, a value and uh, yeah yeah i was just gonna say I, there's like um uh, this that neediness like i have felt 
but I feel it also within relationship where I'm like, please keep saving me, you know, or whatever it is, you know, it's like this life is this practice of non-attachment, but of also like what you're saying, like keeping the open heart, keeping the receptivity so that you can allow people to excite you and bring out the best in you and they don't have to save you for the next 50 years but they can save you for tonight save tonight (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's good that's good yeah and I think what you're saying about self-consumption like really resonates too but for me I'm so consumed in like the other and the idea of the community that in a way, like being single is a benefit to that. Because what, one thing I hear you talking about you and Cass too is this like sort of mundane intimacy that's really beautiful. Yeah. Like you just kind of do like the dishes together or sit with each other. Or you know what Cass looks like after she brushes her teeth mm-hmm. or like going to the grocery store. And I think our life teaches us to be, or the capitalism teaches us to be so fucking busy yeah. that we don't get to experience that mundane intimacy with the other, even if they're our partner. Mm-hmm. But like, since I quit my job and I've just been sort of like off the grid and off the rails, I've been like experiencing this mundane intimacy with like other people, with friends with family members, I thought I fucking hated. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I hated this part of my family. And I really just thought we were all going to, like, die going our separate ways. And then I just, like, dropped everything and went and stayed with them for a week or two weeks or three weeks. Someone, like, I thought I had all these issues with. But then you experience that mundane intimacy with the other, and you can't really, like, hate them anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're like... Like you're like brushing your teeth together you're like sweeping the floors together and like I've just sort of been going to like house to house and like experiencing this with old people young people in my life couples like I just stayed with a couple in LA for a week and I felt so much love for them and that's kind of how I felt or that's definitely how I felt when I met you guys in New York and kind of got to stay in Mayor's apartment. Like you guys blew my heart open and I was just like, wow, like love exists. Even Mm -hmm. if I don't have it in the ways I try to like program in my head or the ways that have been programmed in me, like just experiencing that mundane intimacy. I wish we all had with each other because I think conflict would dissolve i was just gonna you totally just took the words out of my mouth i was just gonna go on a little rant about like if you applied that to the macro all of our problems would dissolve because there's something about the intimacy that that, like it brings your compassion online for some reason i don't know like there's an absence of ego when you're brushing your teeth there's just the state of being a state of being human and we can share in our humanity together so when you're not like it's yeah there's a lot of it can happen without words and i think there is a lot of intimacy that can be experienced in just sharing presence with each other like Lacey's talking about yeah i mean it's like uh it's just context you know the, the, the more time you spend with someone doing those things those kind of things the more context you have about their being and it's hard to otherize them you know when you see them doing all the fucking stupid mundane things that you are required to do every day you know it it's harder to shit on people and demonize them, but it's also hard to put them on the altar and worship them, you know? And it's like, we're, we're just doing normal everyday stuff together. And that's most of our hangs. Like we're, we're in a thruple with Mare and it's f- 
extremely exciting but if you just zoomed in on what one of our days looks like you'd be like oh it's like as normal as anything else like we're very focused on like making food and making the music and then making love and like just just making sure that but but it doesn't look like much it might not look very exciting it might not look what you think of as like a throuple thriving would look like it's a lot of those moments that you're talking about we just choose to share them together yeah. And that's one thing that was like good to me about the shutdown or after the, being shut down was like, we no longer feel like we have to like go to meet our friends at the theme park or at the movie theater yeah. or the mall yeah. where it's all these things like kind of sucking from you. Like now when I see my friends, it's like, I'm going to just come sit at your house for three days with you. Yeah. We might go exercise together, go on a walk. We might just lay on your floor. You know, we might play games or not. And like having silence together. Oh, yeah. And because I grew up in such chaos and people fighting like all the time, I just thought my life had to be war. Mm -hmm. And it's only since probably the spring. And like you guys were um, sort of a catalyst for me. But I had to like kind of go off and like not be super connected afterwards because you were a catalyst that helped like open my heart. And then I like realized like people don't have to be at war. And even if we have conflict, that doesn't mean we have to get out our guns. Yeah. And I think something about that intimacy, like you're not going to, you're still going to get frustrated with each other. Like you're still going to piss each other off in close spaces. But but I thought, like, because I grew up in such violence and war, I was, like, scared to even have roommates mm-hmm. or, like, sc- I was scared to go stay at a friend's house for a week when they invited me to another state because I just figured inevitably there's going to be war or you're going to say I'm bad or mm-hmm. our masks are going to come off, you know? Like, in that intimacy, you can't wear the mask. Well, that that's the moments I'm hoping for. I'm, you know what I mean? Like... I grew up in a very similar situation, just violence and insanity and just a fucking general overpopulation of my senses. <laughs> it just fucking hit me from every angle. And that's what I thought life was like. And I took a very masculine approach to at least my 20s. I was in control and I was going to be in control because everything else in my life was out of control. And uh, now when I'm when I get together with people, especially when we're meeting a new friend and I know we're going to be friends for a while. I'm like, wow, when is going to come that moment when we fully take the masks off? Like I, I yeah. remember with Mare, it was like a month after we started doing this, we had some stupid, I can't even remember what it was based on. Some little miscommunication about the way I communicated something and then the way she communicated back, I didn't like. And I was just like, yo, stop right there, girl. Like you're not going to, we're not treating each other like this. You're not treating me like that. I'm not stupid. Don't talk down to me, all this stuff. And she's mm-hmm. like, I wasn't like it. Just this little back and forth. And we ended up just like having this like, rawr, 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 like dogs do. And then just stopping kind of like dogs do. And we just stopped and we didn't say anything. She eventually left. And then uh, I was like, I'm sorry. And she was like, so am I. And uh, I was like, fuck, we might actually be doing this. Like, this is real. <laughs> like, she just saw, like, to me, that's the worst side of me. The part, the, the side that is like, I'm happy-go-lucky, I'm happy-go-lucky, I'm happy-go-lucky. You're backing me into a corner a little bit. It's a little uncomfortable. I still got a smile on my face. Fuck you. Stop it. Yeah. You know, because that's how my parents are. That's, you know, that's how my parents reacted to things and still do. 
And I'm like, I want to grow. Yeah. I don't want to be like that. So I'll show her this side of me and hopefully I can burn it out. Maybe not in this moment, but over the course of many other fights, many other battles. <laughs> and yeah. uh, now we have like, I don't know. I think I try to practice like a belligerent level of peace. Like where, where you're just fucking crazy with the generosity and speaking your mind and like, I'm always telling Cass, I'm like, come on, sp- say it. If you fucking think I'm awesome, say it. Don't hold back. Like, for real, like, you might think I'm, like, some really confident guy, but, like, you're my person. I need you to fluff me up every now and then. Like, let's yes. do it. So, we, so I try to offer that to people. I try to offer that to anyone I can, you know? I only try yeah. to say encouraging things about people's projects and art when they come to me for advice for whatever reason. Just try to be encouraging and, and call it PMA, positive mental attitude. And if you can... Just remember P- PMA, which is an old um, ideal of the hardcore scene and uh, punk music and stuff. PMA uh, it's from the bad brains. But uh, it's a really good way of going through life. Just remember, let me try to keep that positive mental attitude and apply it to re- relationships. But not be afraid. Not color your world where it's a tragedy when conflict comes up. It's a gift when conflict comes up. I love it. Like that was such a... I can remember that moment with Mare. It was such a pivotal moment. It was such a like, oh, I'm going deeper with this girl. I don't know if you're going to join me, Cass, but I'm going deeper with her. I'm going to argue with her. That is, believe it or not, us going deeper into this relationship. So Yeah. Yeah. Whatever all Because that conflict <laughs> is like conscious conflict, conflict where you're, you're there and you're not fucking drinking or like splitting off from your body and you're just like there. Yeah. That's intimacy. And when you can fight with someone and you can come back and hear and see each other, that's like what makes me feel the most safe. Yeah. Like someone where I just get along with and everything's cool, that like scares me a little because I'm like, when's the lightning going to strike? But someone where it's like, hey, you disrespected me in this way or this fucking hurt me. Mm -hmm. Or like, why did you just speak to me like that? And that other person can show up and be like, and tell the truth. Yeah. I was trying to hurt you or I was irritated or I was being lazy or whatever the thing is. And you can like hold that fucking honesty. Yeah. That just makes me yeah. feel so safe, but think- it's rare. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, how like being honest with who you are, even if it comes out as unpretty or um, could lead to some confrontation is like much more generous because you're saying, hey, I want you to really know who I am. And if you yeah. really know who I am, you can also share with me who you really are. And there we can yeah. like meet each other in a truer place. And even if it's like, oh, this moment of vulnerability that isn't the whole of who I am, it is part of who I am. And we can like, I can trust you enough to show you this side of myself and that you won't hold me to that moment. There's like um, a lot there. And I'm not, honestly, I'm probably not the best no, at this. You are, you, I was just going to say, you're, you're <laughs> expert level at that, not holding people to their worst moment. And Cass has shown me how to do that. And I yeah. think in, in those moments of conflict, more important than anything is like, you're showing me who I am. And you're showing thing, right. me things about myself and my inner child that needs attention. And I want to work on those things. And they don't always come out. We try to, if anything, ignore those, those types of feelings. I, I can feel it physically now. Oh, I'm getting hijacked by my ego. I'm getting hijacked by previous patterns that seem to work for me, but they don't work now. All right, this is coming up. Let me just burn it out right now. And in those moments, if you're holding space and not holding me to my worst moment, 
I'm going to grow from that. And Cass has seen that. Like Cass is a big sample size. And I think now Mare has like almost two, three years of a sample size. So um, it helps us become closer. And I want to apply that to more people. And I, I feel myself like knowing I'm not as close to people that I'm not sharing that level of. Because if I'm not expressing things that frustrate me with someone that's very close to me, I'm not in my integrity. So... I don't yeah. know. There's a time and a place for it, but there's there's growth to be had in every relationship you have in your life. And my primary relationships with Cass and Mare uh, help set the stage for how I present to the world. And they make me extremely confident, but they also show me what my flaws are. And they're not in my face like, here's your flaws. I know what they are because of the reflection I get from them. And that's very special. Yeah. Like spirituality goes through different cycles. And I think first it was this like love and light, every, like everything's positive, just be positive. And then, then it went like focus on the shadow, focus on the shadow, the darkness. And mm-hmm. I don't know if either of these two like fronts have authenticity behind them. But what's been like coming up for me lately is like true shadow work is the love. Mm-hmm. And true love is like being able to sit with someone in their scariest moment, in their darkest moment. So it's like you can't do shadow work without the love and you can't do love without being able to sit with someone's shadow. Yeah. And you yeah. can't really sit in other people's shadow if you can't sit with your own. But that doesn't mean you have to, what I'm telling myself is like, that doesn't mean lazy. You have to go in the fucking forest and be a decrepit witch by yourself and like stare at your shadow all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like you can be the shadow with each other and reflect that back and forth. Oh, and yeah. that's truly like what breaks the matrix. Like that intimacy is what breaks it. I think a big moment a big revelation I would say for myself was realizing like the balance that we all have and the balance that Sean has. And I used to think, well, if only he wouldn't do this, we'd have a perfect relationship. If only he could be less reactive when I say this, then we'd have a perfect relationship. But then I like started to realize and recognize the whole of his humanity. He isn't just those good moments. He isn't just those bad moments. It's like, it, they all co-create who he is. And ultimately, he's a man I really love. So I don't want to cherry pick maybe something that may make me feel uncomfortable sometimes. Because if I take that part of him away, it's like a house of cards. It could take it. That might be propping up this other part of him that allows him to be incredibly generous and kind to me. You know? Yeah. Him, so it's it's... That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, you got to be careful tinkering around under the hood of of someone's life. You know what I mean? You think when you have that power over somebody, which we have over each other, which Mare has over us and we have over her, like you got to be very careful. You know, you got to, you got to tread lightly because like Cass is saying, you could end up adjusting something that fucking sends their whole world spiraling and they're trying to live up to some ideal that you have for them and not that they have for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Or there's maybe I I think, oh, I don't like that. Actually, I don't even want to give examples. I'll feel like I'll get jumbled up. But I feel like there's been like this Seinfeld aspect of life that's happened where we'll meet people who are like dating someone and they're like just finding every little thing that's wrong with them. And I'm like, dude, if if I if Sean did that with me, we wouldn't be together 13 years. Like there's, of course, things you can find in someone that are like, a little imperfect you know I think we have this ideal that our perfect partner will be perfect and it's and it's not like that our 
I mean, I think yeah. it's just there's love there. So it's like you just know. The, the love is there. The love isn't there. If you can uh, pick apart someone and be like, oh, I don't like this part of them. Maybe you're not in love with them. I don't know. It's crazy because and- like our, our love life feels more like shadow work than the actual shadow work we do. Like when I'm doing shadow work, I think of that as like being in ayahuasca ceremonies every month and like preparing for them and integrating them and really like focusing on yourself and your inward journey and all that stuff. And, but that's like, it's very like loving and flowery to me. And like, you know, uh, the, the, our love life is actually filled with a lot more challenges than my shadow work is, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very strange balance that goes on. Yeah. And I really like cast like too what you're saying about the cherry picking, because I think we do that with ourself too. Like we cherry pick our own emotions. Like I'm just supposed to feel that and I'm going to kind of ignore this. But the thing about cherry picking emotion is you can't like you to feel any emotion, you have to feel all emotion. And once you start stuffing one down, the other gets stuffed down. And I think we cherry pick with friends too. You know, like, oh, I just wish this, like, person wouldn't be like this or family members, you know? And you guys just put to words, like, something I've been mentally playing with. And it's, like, sometimes I'll just say stuff kind of, like, half-assed or, like, because it's just what I feel in the moment. And my friend will be like, but you told me this last week, Lacey. Like, you told me this. And then I made a different decision. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I don't even remember saying that, you know? And, like, I think we do forget how much we influence each other. And, like, I really don't want to. And that had to do with my friend and, like, her partner. And I, like, don't want any say so in that you know sometimes you just talk because like your friends are venting so then you talk and then she's taking my advice that I don't even feel is like authentic advice and then especially when you have a podcast or you're an artist or you do any sort of magic then people take it like even more seriously and I think we have to be like conscious of not cherry picking because someone could be going through the worst shit of their life or like making seemingly bad decisions from the outside. But we don't know that that's actually bad. We don't know that that journey isn't like the best thing that's ever going to come for them. And there is this like savior in me that I have to work on constantly. Who's like, no, turn left, turn right. (laughs) And it, and like, as if I fucking know, you know, (laughs) it's so gross. But we are, but Sean, we are projectors, which means we do have a bird's eye view. We like being the guides and they come, people come to us for that. But it's Mm. all, it's like a fine line of not really dictating what level of the video game someone's on. Yeah. Because you don't even know what you're on half the time. Right. Like (laughs) how you're seeing it. And I I love that. I used to be so distraught. Like why having a, a dad who's an alcoholic, why couldn't I save like, why can't I help him? Why couldn't I stop him from drinking? Why, why, is it, why is it my fault that he drinks, you know? And so that just has played out in so many different relationships of like, how can I adjust my behavior to lessen the burden on the people in my life so they won't need to medicate or whatever it is? And then I'm, yeah. I mean, that's a huge burden to carry. That's ridiculous. But it's also, it becomes like, okay, if only that could happen. If only when Sean's dad, um, you know, can feel peace and I just think about we right now we're in between and we are living with Sean's family, which has been like a really humbling but beautiful experience for us because we've been drawn closer to his family, his sister, 
needs a lot of care. So we're very helpful in that department and we like to be closer to them. But, you know, now I'm around other people who are like a little further in their journey and I'm, I see his dad and he's always worrying about things. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could make him not worry. But then I think about, okay, what happens? How do people get longevity? They never stop moving. I think that his uh, pension for worry keeps him on his toes and he's not just sitting in front of the TV all day. He's worrying about the next meal or this, that. And for me to get in there and be like, I don't want you to worry because it's stressful and worry is bad could end up ending his life sooner and and he fills his days because he kind of keeps on his toes so it kind of just makes me realize that i don't want to screw with people's what they're doing because who knows how they'll rebalance too well and and it's like in in that sense and my dad's been the and i think everyone probably has something like this or should have something like this like a talisman for like i don't want to end up like that like you know, and that I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just, uh, it's kind of, I think why we have the church of chill is because I grew up with people that have no chill. They don't know what that is. Like they've never yeah. been given societal permission to just whew, the out breath. They've never experienced that. So if I can create something based on the talisman of my parents who don't have chill, like I can create a space that everyone is welcome that everyone should discover within themselves what that feels like when they're actually truly chilling and they can then they have the ability to extract more joy from moments is something that i didn't grow up around but i want to provide in a non-pressure way for our community it's an invitation yeah yeah it's a permission slip which i think a lot of people need a a lot of people need an example somebody to like uh, just be a pioneer and it's sad that having something called the church of chill can feel like a pioneer. Like I feel like, God damn, it's 2022. We should be fucking chilling. We have all the technology (laughs) that we fucking need to survive. We don't have to be so worried about our day to day survival the way we have in human history before. Oh my God. But like, but we're just constantly being told to worry about our survival right now. Like probably right now more than ever. People are like, be fucking afraid. Survive, survive, survive. And even me, like, I'm I'm insecure about not having skills, you know, because I don't function like a human. Like <laughs> never have I functioned like a human. I grew up with drug addicts, you know, like I never I didn't. My mom was like, I'm homeschooling Lacey and never homeschooled me. Yeah. So th- like routine schedule. I've never experienced it really. I mean, I've tasted it. I've pretended to be a human from time to time. And so these last few years with the shutdowns and everything, I'm like, I have to gain skills. And like, so I I delivered a baby by myself. I like am living on a ranch right now. I milk cows at 5 a.m. And I'm like doing all these things. But it in a sense, it's like so fucking psychedelic and beautiful. But I didn't come there from a chill perspective. I came there from a perspective of like warrior, war, survival, skills. How am I going to be okay? Like more of this masculine energy. But then when you're actually in it, it's like, yeah, you try milking a goat and not being chill. Yeah. You try riding a horse and not being chill. They feel all of that. They don't give a fuck about like your desperate need of survival or your desperate need of like up leveling your skills yeah. to mm-hmm. compare to like the people next to you. 
And like, you won't actually be in the flow with them. Like Mm. to be in the flow, you have to tap into that inner chill. And that's like my practice. Yeah. I mean, imagine trying to parent without, without any sense of your inner chill, you know, taking everything so seriously, flying off the handle, being so reactionary. And that's how I grew up. And I, I get it. It's, I mean, my family has unchecked grief and it just keeps snowballing and snowballing and they think it's all this other stuff. And I'm like, no, it's very simple. It's, it's unchecked grief. We've gone through a lot of loss as a family and, um, the grief is getting the best of us and it's, it's manifesting in, um, what appears to be total chaos. Like you would come into this household and think like, oh, this couple's about to get divorced. This family's about to fall apart, which is not the case at all. They just don't know how to chill. They don't know how to express that side of life. So I think that's why we're drawn back to that house is like to impart some of this without being up in their face about it, but just from them seeing how we live like, oh, okay, we can enjoy retirement. We can enjoy moments. We can laugh. You know, that's, that's a big thing. Giving people permission to laugh. I just try to go through life as a joker. And if I can have people laughing, like, I think we're doing our job. Like that is like one of the highest expressions of chill is that you're, you have humor. When you have humor, that means you have humility. It says so much about where you're at if you're able to laugh. So that's everything is vibration Mm -hmm. and like laughing literally changes the vibration in your body. It literally shakes you and breaks up the stagnation. So on a somatic level, it's like one of the most healing things you can do for trauma Mm. is that laughing And I like what you said about how, like, even, like, parenting, you have to tap into that chill. Like, as a birth worker, it's really easy to go into a birth and, like, be scared. Like, someone's screaming. There may or may not be blood around, (laughs) you know. And, like, just recently at a birth, um, someone was like, the mama can laugh. Like, the mom can laugh right now. And then we put her on like an exercise ball and she was just like moving around and she just started giggling. And then we all busted out laughing. And it's like, yes, birth is serious. Yes, you can still fucking laugh and joke. And it just laughter, I think, is like a spiritual protection also because it's that vibration. And I literally think it gives a frequency of protection in your energy field. Mm. And once we got mom to start laughing, um, she like then got horny. And then like mom and her partner like went in the other room and had sex. And the birth workers just like hung out and listened to music and like sex is one of the best things you can do before you give birth because you know you're, it helps open that portal. Making out is one of the best things. Loose lips equals loose lips down there. You know <laughs> wow. what I mean? I had no yeah. idea. So, so it's like that level of like fun and bounciness and like you you got in this place because of sex. So like doing sex during and right before is just like it creates safety and intimacy and it creates intimacy with your birth workers too even though you're not like fucking them and they're not in the room or part of it but it's like hey we're all like acknowledging this closeness we're acknowledging the love between these two people and like this baby is literally being brought into a house full of love right now that's beautiful yeah, yeah, wow. That's very cool. I mean, it feels similar to the work we do. It might not be with pregnant 
about to give birth mothers, but I think a lot of the work we do in being documentary filmmakers is like trying to share moments with people and allow for their levity to come to the surface, you know, yeah. and, and a, a larger perspective on life that they can then share with us and that we can kind of essentialize and bring back to an audience. And what do you see, Cass, as like levity? Like what is someone's levity and how do you bring that out of someone? Well, I mean, we just don't create pressure-filled situations, you know, where we kind of yeah. just like they're with a camera and if they want to share, they can share, you know. It's it's just kind of an, a, a lack of pressure. Uh, yeah, like a, another documentary could, crew could show up to the same subject matter as us and get something... Um, very uh self-serious and potent and, and all that stuff but i don't i don't think many people could go and and get the the loose re relaxed feeling that we're able to get and it's it feels very authentic and that's it's just a reflection of us it's like what we're bringing to the table we make people feel a certain way and they reflect that back and i think it's an important thing to like put in movies and show people kind of the blueprint for like how life can feel and how how magical and connected life is and people are and you might you might have previously made fun of the juggalos and you watch our movie about juggalos and you're like damn i am one of them and i, I <laughs> yes. think that's really cool i think that that's how you can unlock some levity in your life is to not otherize so much and yes. You know, you yes. when, when you're not otherizing when you're not otherizing so much, you're relating with things on another level. You've cast a spell on your life, and it it, it is through humility, and through humility, you can arrive at humor. And to me, it's the be it's the best medicine for anything. If like like what you're saying, what you did in that in that room when that mom was giving birth, like that's such a gift. Like the laughing led to the birth of this child, and yeah. uh, you know. We're what we're normally trying to do. I feel like we're art doulas. If anything, we try to, you know, I'm like, hey, we're artists. We we call ourselves artists. That's the that's the the spell we've cast on our life. You're an artist yeah. too. Think about it. What haven't you expressed? How do you want to express it? You know, do you have a medium in mind? Like, I I think we could get most people being artists if they spend enough time around us, because that's what we're solely focused on for ourselves. Is self-expression you know that's what we're here to do i think that's part of what human evolution is we got to this point like i'm saying where we don't have to be so obsessed with our survival in our day-to-day -day. like oh i gotta go out and i gotta cut the wood and then i gotta do this and i gotta find dinner and i gotta provide and like we don't have to be as fixated on that stuff so what does that lead you to like oh we can be a little bit more spiritual a little bit more self-reflective a little bit more vulnerable a little bit more intimate with each other and we can bring that back remnants of those things that can show other people the way and every generation it's incumbent on the artist to lead the way and show the way and leave time capsules behind for future generations so it feels important but in the it's it, so in the moment it just it feels as as simple as like you be yourself cuz we're being ourselves like it doesn't behoove anyone to wear any masks right now so yeah and you're an oracle sean like i feel Thank like you. you can really see people you know you can see past the bullshit you can see into people's souls and that's why it's scary for people when you actually get mad at them <laughs> because <laughs> you see the truth you know you see the darkness in them yeah. you see the light too but when you're mad that's scary for people yeah but it's 
And I loved what you were talking about earlier when you were talking about just like pouring compliments on each other and uplifting each other, because that is a form of like occult magic. That's worship. And literally when you're pouring that on someone, you're giving them permission to expand. You're giving that person permission to expand their energy, to be bigger. And like, you're in a sense, putting a spell on them. You're like, I love this about you, Cass. And just organically, whatever that trait is, will increase in Cass, even Mm -hmm. if it's on a subconscious level. But if you're like, hey, you need to change this, that whatever you're telling her to change, that's also going to increase, you know? Yeah. And I think like, we're so like starving for love in our culture and another thing that like like codependency is bad and another thing that's bad is love bombing you know and Mm -hmm. I feel like I I love like gassing up my friends like it is like a love language of mine of just being like this is what I love about you this is what I see in you you know and I have a friend who's a producer in LA and he's just like he's an artist in a lot of ways and he's like working at this corporation for a while and no one at the corporation like was kind to him and it was like defeating for him and so I was just like dude you are a fucking artistic genius you were brilliant like you were brilliant in all of these ways and I was very specific and he's engaged to someone and we're like really good friends in the workspace and I was supposed to go out and like meet his fiance with him and he's like I'm really scared for you to meet my fiance I kind of don't want you to meet my fiance and I was like why and I was like sad like why and he's like well you just can't like give me compliments while we're with her Mm, and I was threatened. like, what? Mm. What? And he's like, well, she doesn't want me to get a, a big head. Like, she doesn't give me compliments. So she would think it's weird if, like, an outsider was giving me compliments. And I was like, I'm not, like, trying to fuck you. Like, I, like, literally think you're an artistic genius. But it's like, we're more weary of, like, love bombing than just, like, yeah. I don't know. Well, we she, have this fear she's she's more comfortable with the way he is and she doesn't want to leave a lot of room for his expansion because she likes the way he is and it probably comes down to a control thing she it's easier to control him the way he is if he starts getting a big head if he starts opening his heart if he starts letting in possibilities about his life could be he could leave her and i think that that, you know i you we see that play out over and over and over again. So many couples who are one of them want to take psychedelics and the other one is like, no, absolutely not. You're not doing that. They're scared that their partner is going to change. And God forbid they change for the better and then they have to up their own game. Forget about it. Like that requires work. I'm not doing that. It's just not worth having this person around that's showering you in compliments. And uh, it's sad because it just blocks the flow of that energy. The flow of negativity doesn't get blocked. You know, everybody's out there fucking talking shit and belittling themselves and belittling each other in subtle and obvious ways. But uh, yeah, God forbid we start a trend of PMA and people are fucking just trying to keep positive and and good compliments. And like I'm saying, with integrity, not like I'm just fucking bullshitting this person. I don't even know who they are and I'm going to tell them they're they're God's gift. But truly, when you see it in somebody, not holding it back, like... I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a gift having people like you in the world who are comfortable enough with themselves that they can compliment somebody. Like, I do think that that's the shit that makes at least the art world go around. So, I don't know. People come in with their wrecking ball energy of 
negativity and self-doubt. I don't take kindly to that. And I don't take too kindly to people who, who stifle their partners, who, who want to, you know, limit their partner's experience and fuck. We get that, that's where codependency is like dangerous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's where, and I think a lot of people fall into that trap. The only reason we can speak highly to codependence is because there is basically because Cass doesn't have that in her. She's not looking to to limit me in any way. I know she just wants my, even if it doesn't benefit her life, she wants to see my life expand and expand. And even if it's been extremely uncomfortable for her at times, she wants to see my life expand. So I can trust her. I can be codependent with a person like that. I've been codependent with the opposite. You know, I was married before. And I was with someone kind of like that partner you're describing who was like, I was, I was starting to make films. And I was starting to get attention. I was starting to make a lot of money. You wouldn't have known. Like this, this woman did not react to any of that. She wasn't flattered by it. She wasn't like excited for me. And my, like my life was starting to blossom in a way that she felt threatened by. And um, it created a we're lot so of We're so scared. I know. We're it's crazy. We're so scared. And I like, I'm scared too. Like I'm scared of being abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like I've been in relationships where I do like build, I do lose myself a little in my codependency. Like I'll stop doing some of my own art and just like build that person up and build them up and build them up. And then it starts working for them. And then my stuff starts taking a back seat. But that is and your then stuff. I'm like, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And that then, is your art. You just you just fucking improved someone's life. <laughs> right. And that's the healthy way to look at it. But in my unhealthy states, I've been like, fuck you. You just took from me. You used me. Mm-hmm. You don't care about me. And now you're going to leave me. I just built you up. And now you're going to leave me. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm being left again. Yeah. But like, like. Is it bad if you help someone blossom and they leave? I think it's like we're all in this garden and we just like, you want to water, you want beautiful gardens to exist. So even if you don't get to look at that beautiful garden for the rest of your life, aren't you glad that you watered a garden that's now beautiful in the world? That's kind of... So poetic, Cass. Well, you're the one bringing the flowers energy, but... um, I mean, it's like when when I go like anywhere we go, I'll do, be doing the dishes or cleaning up someone's house, and it's like I don't live in this place. I'll never even be here again. But it's it's kind of like what Cass is saying. It's like I want it to be nice. I want it to be nice for this moment. I want to put some effort into this thing. And uh, well, you want to know you're leaving you also, your like energetic blueprint there. Yeah, you want to know that you left someone better, you know, and you want to be a part of who they are. Like you're a part of who that person is now, and I think. Um, the way I've had to like kind of square with things is like if Sean finds another love in this life like I want him I want him to like express love to the fullest extent that he's capable (gasps) of because if it's with someone else it means there's probably someone else better for me you know what I mean and like I just have to trust that there has to be like a deep trust which is like kind of hard and would be easier to say than to actually practice but you know it is kind of how i i think i feel about things yeah just hearing you say that i feel so much tightness in my body it's like i'm not even the one in the relationship and i'm like no sean can't find someone else sean can't leave cat she's tried to make me find someone else and like we, we've really pressured tested this way i mean in, in a way Cass has really pressured te- tested this because like there could just be an unspoken, unwritten rule like, yeah, we're in a monogamous thing, but like we never really made that an unspoken, un- unwritten rule. So we've 
pressure tested it and tested the boundaries and it's made our life better because look now we're in a partnership with uh, this beautiful woman mare and like i just can't imagine our life any other way it's 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 wild you know it's so fulfilling and invigorating and just full of full of all the stuff we love which is challenges and high highs and low lows and beautiful expressions of art in between yeah i've heard people like say non-monogamy or polyamory is just like trying to fill this endless void and like trying to stuff yourself with pleasure and like not being able to be like be present with one other person like what would you say to that um i i I just don't even i wouldn't even dwell on it on the yeah it's kind of like i hate to say to sound like glib like but it's just like I get one chance at life. I want to decorate it uh, in the most exciting way that I can see possible, which is just allowing for more possibilities. It's not doing shady shit all the time or anything like that. It's actually figuring out who you are and then allowing more possibilities and calling in the magic and calling on the angels to surround you and guide you through. And um, yeah, it doesn't, I, I don't know if it's filling a void. Okay. That void needs to be attempted to be filled and, I don't know. Yeah, but why is filling a void just a bad thing? Mm-hmm. I don't filling know. Filling a void I, isn't a bad I, thing. I don't I'm I'm way zoomed out a lot of times and I'm like isn't life kind of a sisyphusian task of just like pushing a boulder up a hill and then it goes down and you push it up again like okay, cool. Like that's kind of what life is and then we're not here anymore and then we're back in the void. Well, I think this nuclear family setup that we have in society has really trapped people because women feel really attached to their partners because they don't have a whole community supporting them so the abandonment of their partners feels like too much to bear rather than like keeping i wouldn't even call it a leash but just like uh, an openness about life and wanting someone to find what they need out of this life and experience and also trust that if if that leads them somewhere else then that's what's meant to be you know what i mean like you what is there to, to cling on to? I just, I personally just don't want to go through life scared or clinging. So when it comes up at me, I'm like, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. It doesn't feel good to me to be scared. It doesn't feel good to me to be clinging. So like, let me try the op- opposite. Let me try being a supportive partner. Let me try being happy for Sean. Let me try these things. And it's actually a lot easier than the restrictive, like, no, it's just you and me and... No, because I like I love having a beautiful relationship with Mare. I love expanding. I love seeing how different people bring out different things in me, the way different people bring out different things in Sean, and seeing how Mare, uh, Sean, and I bring in different things out in Mare. And for us, we've just built our life in this way that we have the time and space for this. This is what we want to do. Like when we see Mare, that we want to hang out with her, you know, and we want to make art together and do these things. So I think. Yeah, that's just, it's not everyone's life might not be built. Like, you might have a very limited amount of time with your partner, and then you might be a little more possessive over the time you have, and then be like, well, if you, we have this limited amount of time with each other, and you want to spend it with someone else, you should spend all your time with them. I could see someone saying that. Yeah. That's it, fair. It, it's it's interesting, because we do, and it's very valuable practice doing, like, fear inventories and desire inventories, and, like, it starts to get to the root of uh, some of your issues and what's driving your life force but i think like you just made me think like an inventory of what you're clinging to is really good to do every now and then and figure out why you're clinging to that person and or or thing or what or the idea of being successful or the idea of 
being a podcaster, putting out this many things, or being with this person, the things you're clinging to, check in on them and figure out what, why, why is that? Why am I clinging to that? Is it creating suffering? A lot of time it has to do with your own sense of self. Oh, my identity is so wrapped up with being Sean's partner. Who would I be if I wasn't Sean's partner? Yeah. And then you're like, yeah. Oh, well, I need to work on feeling worthy in myself. I need to do find the balance like you were talking about, Lacey, of not only giving everything to Sean, but having the moments for myself where I make art that is just mine, you know? And like there is a balance to dance with that allows you to feel secure in your humanness, you know? Like I think self-love and working on yourself is the most generous thing you can do for the people in your life rather than working on them, you know? Yeah. So our form of codependence is very self-reflective. And I think that that's why I can speak to it in a way that's positive and healthy because I think it's just always filled with self-reflection and us questioning each other and us checking in with each other. A lot of communication. I've had to become a much clearer communicator, which means I have to be in my integrity, you know? Well, Cass was talking about like this fear around the nuclear family And I even just saw like on social media the other day, some spiritual fucking guru saying that it's, it's the cold, dark winter for single women because like inflation's happening and like single women aren't going to be able to like afford apartments on their own. So they need to find like a monogamous partner, you know, who will like help hold it down. Mm. And that marriage kind of started in that like financial unionship you know? And again, it's like, you're not going to survive unless this one person loves you and they can't look at another woman. You can't have sex with someone else together. It's just this like, it it feels like projection and it it feels like, you know, I don't know, a lot of the stuff that I see calling itself spirituality now is not, it's the commodification of spirituality. It's like, here's a product, here's, here's an idea. And when, when spirituality is actually extremely personal to the point where like, we think we're talking about it all the time, but we're not. We're, we're talking about like some vague house of mirrors reflection of it because to speak to it, it's, it's, it's almost too much. Like, uh, so yeah. I don't know. Anytime I see people out there with a program or something they're trying to sell you on, whether it's literally trying to sell you on, like I have the answers, pay me, I'll tell you or sell you on. You should be scared and you should be scared because you're single and like, these motherfuckers know that there's a lot of single women out there right now. And they know that, that like, okay, cool. That's a great wide net. I can cast this fucking fear net over and maybe I could pull in some new customers. So I don't know, even anything that's purporting to be spiritual these days, I'm highly weary of. And anyone that's in that space, uh, you know, I, I think it's like, prove to me you're not a grifter. And you, you got to prove it by being in your integrity, not trying to scare people and not trying to sell me on anything. Now try to prove to me you're fucking spiritual or whatever. Because to me, it's it's so personal and it's so just your journey and an inner conversation you're having with yourself and a way of seeing the world. And that's why like mushrooms coming into our life and reconsidering the religion I grew up with and, you know, the religion is just the, you know, the masculine form of, of spirituality. It's just like, let's, let's put this down to a set of dogmas and rules we can follow and sacraments we take in like all this masculine stuff that it's, it's just trying to put a box around something that you can't box in. So anyone coming along, like they have the answers, you gotta be weary of them. I hate it. It's, it would be so easy if there was just someone out there that had the answers for you 
but no one does. No one does. What I think there can be and what we try to serve as and what I think you're great at is just being a helpful reminder along the path. That's it, you know? And I wouldn't even want to say it's spiritual. I would want to say it's like whatever whatever you want to call it, but like that's just a very charged, weird term right now that I think people uh, are are misinterpreting and misusing and sometimes nefariously. Completely. And it's like a very vulnerable time for our thoughts right now. Because to me, like we're in a paradigm shift, like an old world's dying and new world's being created. And in my opinion, like how reality is created is through our individual perceptions. And then it becomes the collective perception on the external. And so like we can't let other people co-op our imaginations. Mm -hmm. So if like, I'm hearing this, like it's a horrible time for single women. Like my imagination can go down this like rabbit hole of like, this is going to be a bad time for me when like in reality, I'm like living my dream, you know? Mm -hmm. But then I could be like, Oh shit, should I be afraid? Is this bad? And then as soon as you ask the universe, is this bad? Bad shit starts popping up, you know? When you say, like, is this good? Like, where's the good? Good shit starts popping up. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, I think this is like a new opportunity. Like, we even were talking, Sean and I talk about living with other people, like having a bigger house and how do we co-create and, um, you know, going in, like not wanting to follow any sort of like co-op cult, any sort of weird energy, but realizing like, oh, is it is it that tragic to share space? Actually, maybe it's not. Maybe it is a beautiful opportunity for us to get closer. Maybe it doesn't need to just be with monogamous partners, you know? Yeah, I think so. Like, I haven't spent a day alone in like three months. And like, I've just been like throwing myself in other people's environments, you know? And I'm like a pretty big energy, so it's not like I just become small in it, but it's like working in their sort of mazes. But this idea of you guys as a throuple, one thing when you guys were briefly talking about your relationship with Mare that came up for me is is going back to like magic. And even in the Bible, they talk about when like three or more gather. So if you're like thinking about sex magic, that's like a huge amplification of being three or more. And like you guys carry sort of a bigger intention and a bigger like cosmic ripple effect by having more. Mm, Yeah. We're so in it. It's hard to speak to from a zoomed out perspective, even for me, you know, it like, it's like from my perspective, it's just like, oh, we're just in love. Like we're in love Yeah, and it is very magical, but. It's fun. It feels it's like fun. we're like a vibe, like when we go out or something, it just, which isn't that often, but it is like, it's fun. It's, it's magical in the way that like when the three of us are, are doing our thing, especially in a very public way, I think it can be psychedelic for people. It can be like, whoa, that's an option. Like, oh, whoa. You can oh, like be, perceived yeah. limits, boundaries, yeah. fear. Yeah. 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 I don't even talk about it, but I get like a lot of pleasure out of like, even like Sean and Mare loving each other. Like I, they call it compersion. You know what I mean? Like your happiness is my happiness. And when you can feel happiness and joy from someone else feeling happiness and joy, it's like pretty awesome because you're getting high like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You're not threatened. But but how, how do you work through that? Like not being jealous and not being threatened. Well, I pressure tested the relationship. I like pretty much kick Sean out the door. I'm like, go love someone else, you know? And we're like still here so close to each other that like what I, when Sean's, if 
the three of us do our t- thing together all the time. So it's mostly that, but say a moment would of jealousy that other people would find really triggering Sean and Mare hanging out. Like, I'm just so grateful to have a minute by myself that I'm having my own relationship. It might not be with another partner, but it's with myself. You know, mm. I'm getting this time to explore being alone and it's very, every moment's very sacred. And I don't want to feel like the only moments in my life that are sacred are with Sean. Like I don't prescribe to that. Like, I want to have sacred moments alone. I want to have sacred moments with my family. I want to have sacred moments with strangers. These, this, I don't know if sacred sounds. No, I love it. Okay. Okay. It's it's perfect. But I, that's how I want to see life. Like I don't, I don't, I, it doesn't feel good to feel like Sean is the, as much as I, he's the person I love to spend time with more than I love to spend time with myself because of the ratio of time that I spend by myself, that when I am by myself, I'm not thinking, I'm glad that Sean and Mare are having a great time, but I'm also just like basking in this moment where I'm getting to know myself in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think what it comes down to is like, uh, Cass isn't like putting an unnecessary gatekeeper on her extraction of joy from moments, you know? And I, I think a lot of us have that and it's good to, it's good to examine yourself and just be like, Whoa, am I my own worst enemy? Am I the one not allowing myself to enjoy my life fully? Am I trolling my fucking self? And like, to me, when you talk about this guy saying, Oh, single women, you're really in for it right now. I'm like, that guy is attempting to colonize a part of you that you're going to eventually have to decolonize and take back. But He's trying to prevent you from extracting joy on your own fucking land. And what the Mm. fuck? And he's going to try to fill you with with excuses and reasons to block full joy and enjoyment of life to come through. Like, to me, it's like, yeah, dude, you're a fucking demon. What are you doing? Like, stay stay away. Like, I I don't want to hear anyone's opinion about how I should limit myself or why I should be scared or anything like that. I'm extremely not trusting of anyone that is trying to make me as scared as they are. Because it's like, hey, I'm 41. I didn't end up like this by accident. I fucking did a lot of work to not be as scared as my parents went through this life because I saw what that did to them. And I see they're at 70 years old now and can't extract joy from a moment. They always turn to negativity and anxiety and yelling and oh God, and, and if there's not something in that moment, it's did you hear what Vladimir Putin did? Did you hear about Ukraine? Did you hear about the starving people over here? We're not meant to know about all that. Our bodies are not fucking prepared for that onslaught of stimulation. We're, we're fucking probably like a blink of an eye ago wouldn't leave a 10 mile radius of where we were born. And we're supposed to know about geopolitics across the world and we're supposed to be invested in that and I'm supposed to allow that to hijack my nervous system? No, no. And you, and you got to see it at, at all stages in your life. Like, is this person, is this narrative, is this job, is this relationship trying to fucking colonize that part of me that can get to the joy? Like, fuck that. I'm not going to allow for it. Well, that's where jealousy is like more than like, it's a compass more than anything. It's like, oh, say I'm jealous of Sean having like a really fun time with Mare or, and it's not that I'm. I'm more jealous of that feeling. I want that feeling for myself. How do I have fun? Where is the fun that I want to have in life? Okay, the the it's it's just you got to get down to like the investigative nature of life is interesting cuz you ask more questions, you get more answers. You don't want to see think you found the answer cuz then you hit a wall. And so I think investigating what is this like deeper value that I have and how is this as an opportunity to get to know myself better and 
I don't know. It's it's like yeah, an exciting yeah. process, this life of like, we know nothing and we're trying to figure it out and we might not know anything by the end of this, but let's at least have a good time while we're here and be loving towards the people in our life. The investigation is like, I feel like the matrix overstimulates us constantly. You know, I say the matrix, but like the yeah. system, the patriarchy, the religion, yeah. the 1%. And it's like overstimulating us to a point where like, we don't know how to investigate because you can only really investigate yourself. I think in like silence Mm -hmm. and quietness in art. Yeah. Listening to the body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And movement and exercise. Like, but I think a lot of people are really scared of sex. I think a lot of people are really scared of pleasure. I think I'm still scared of sex in a way. Like Horopod for me is just like an investigation of like who I am on a sexual level from being like so sexually abused to being like thrown into like working at a strip club to like being in a long relationship to like just understanding the levels of who I am sexually. And I feel like there is an opportunity when you have like a polyamorous relationship that you trust, I feel like there's an opportunity there to learn just like more about who you are sexually when you have more witnesses and especially like, and I could be wrong, but cause I, cause I'm not speaking from experience on this, but it just seems like for the feminine, it might be nice to like have another feminine witness there. Oh, yeah. And witness might be a weird word, but, like, instead of just, like, dealing with all your sexual trauma or, like, your life trauma or whatever with just the masculine, like, having a feminine there. Like, I was in a very long-term relationship, and I was so fucking jealous of him, like, discovering another woman. Simultaneously, it turned me on so much. Yeah. Like, I ached for it, and I fucking hated it and like if he did it I think I would have like lost my mind in my like immaturity of my 20s also I would have been like really turned on by like knowing about it and seeing yeah. it oh my god Sean, can speak to this. Sean used to we used to have a friend that we got in a complicated relationship with and Sean would um, hook up with her and he'd come home and I'd be like well I'm horny now like more horny than I usually am because of this and so like, come on, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was it was an aphrodisiac in a way, and I think maybe it's a, a competition for sperm or something. I don't know. There's different <laughs> things that, like, energy you can play with that is kind of But it, it was the beginning of us playing around with something that actually ultimately has made our sex life a lot better. And it's the same impasse that you were at. Like, whoa, if this guy went through with something, I would lose my mind. And Cass did. And... uh but it also simultaneously really turns me on, which it did. It turned her on so much that six years later, we're still messing around in this territory. And it, it could have been a very brief little dalliance, but it instead has become kind of a lifestyle for us because she kind of got over that hurdle of jealousy that I haven't gotten over. Like you Sometimes know, I wish it could give me that spark it used to give me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm like so <laughs> zen now that I'm like... Well, you so know I'm going to come back and fuck you, too, and, like, it's going to be fine. Like, you can trust in the whole process. You're, there, there's not a scarcity mindset. Even though there kind of should be, I can only do so much, but there's not a scarcity mindset. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's a, but it's just, it was like a fun, I don't know. It can be fun. Even the hard feelings can be fun. It's like, how do you play with this energy? And it's cool, like, in in the thing, like, we're doing with Mare now, it's like the three of us have been doing this for uh, two years, but there's 
like there's so many combinations of things we could do. Like I could go stay with Mare for a couple of days, just us two, or I could just go have a night with her or Cass could just go have a night with her. Or we could have a wild night of threesomes where I'm less involved and it's more about that. Like there's so many combinations of things we could do to just keep throwing logs on the sexual fire. And uh, yeah, we do that. We're very mindful of it because I think if you were to ask Mare this, she would say the same thing. Like, my, our relationship, my relationship with Mare and the three of ours relationship is based on sexuality. Like, that's why we're not friends. We're, we like having sex <laughs> with each other. And uh, so we, we prioritize that and it makes our sex life better because we're very engaged with it and we have to have tough conversations sometimes and we have to make adjustments along the way. And it's not all rainbows and butterflies, but actually most of the fucking time it is. And I think people that uh, are scared of sex, like you're saying, or have some skewed view on it, just think they don't deserve it. I, I think that it, obviously oh, there's a lot of factors, but I think that's like the main thing is they, they just don't think they deserve access to what we're tapping into all the time. And my uh, advice would be like, what's what's the holdup? You know, life's, life's happening. We're here once. I, I, as far as I know, I get to be Sean once. Let's have some fucking fun. You know what I mean? Let me be honest with who I am so I, with myself so I can be honest with my partner so then we can do something about it. And we're doing something about it and having the best life of our lives right now. <laughs> I think women, like, are really afraid of pleasure. Yeah. Like, like, but, like, want it and, like, know they deserve it. And it's, like, women are the prize in a lot of ways or the feminine form or just feminine energy can, like, I think it's, like, you have to tap into your feminine energy to to sorry to like receive that pleasure how do you feel like having a feminine witness during sex is helpful or is it helpful hmm. i don't like, know when I you said the it? feminine when you said the feminine witness i just thought more of like yeah sean gets crazy sometimes and i can't be the only person who knows that you know what i mean like <laughs> that's what i was like i need to that's when i'm like I really am like, hell yeah, this feminine witness has really got my back. You know what I mean? Because even if it doesn't change anything, even if it's not like, oh, Sean, Sean bad, it's just like, I'm not crazy, right? He's crazy, right? We can just both say he's crazy in this moment. <laughs> yeah, that's helped you a lot. Um, sure. I don't know if you, I don't know if you should do it. You guys, like your art truly does inspire me. Like you guys are one of the few podcasts that I can like hang with mm, just because it feels like truth to me. Like, and it feels like truth and artistic expression, but just like truth and navigating life. And there's so much more I want to talk to you guys about. So I, after I really publish this episode, we'll do another one <laughs> Please, at some point yeah. if you would like. But anyone listening, check out the Very Ape podcast. Like, it's truly one of my favorite podcasts. And I love your documentaries. And thanks. I've been known, like, I've been called, like, oh, she just does it for novelty because, like, I've been to, like, I've lived in Alaska and, like, now I'm on a ranch and birth work and it's, like, all these random things, but I jump these timelines because I truly want to, like, immerse and see other people, but it's, like, a privilege that I can do that. Like, in our society, most people can't do that, but you guys are sort of, like, energy readers who go in with your documentaries and you like show the souls of people because we're onions. Mm. 
like, I don't see my, I hope I'm not like a reader or a guide who like tells people anything. I just want to be someone where people feel safe enough to let down some of their onion layers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think you guys do that in such a beautiful way. So for those people who feel like they can't immerse in other cultures or other people, I think your documentaries like shine a light on the human experience in a way I haven't seen art before. Yeah. I had done podcasts with and friends with, you know? And then when I placed it all together, I was just like, holy shit. Because I am, I'm not just like saying this, I am awe inspired by the art you guys create. And the fact that like you don't give up and I don't feel like you're doing it for some like weird fame shit or like, yeah. I don't know. Well, we're we're all inspired by it, like to the point where like I, it doesn't feel like we're the ones doing it. Uh, I, that's a very trippy thing that maybe some people can relate with, but it doesn't even feel like we're the ones doing it. It feels like yeah, you're the channel. Yeah, just a you're vessel for something um, that we're, we're we can be really good at. Sometimes we're editing a movie right now. That's a what movie? It's called Wooks, and it's about uh it's about some some crusty ass hippies that go to festivals and stuff and uh they're they're just so full of spirit and wisdom and drugs and uh it's just it's it's our perfect thing um but yeah we're we're kind of awe inspired by i look at the body of work and i'm like wow who did that like you know like wow thank god we were focused enough to get that out like because uh, yeah they, they feel awe inspiring and important to us so I appreciate you so much, Lacey. You liking our podcast gave me like hope when I needed a little hope. And I listen to yours and I love, you're just like, you put out such a beautiful, kind, loving, generous transmission and I hope you keep doing it. And um, I know it means a lot to people. So I wouldn't question your art ever. Yeah, I see a lot of people like that are posting like the year end Spotify. Here's the podcast I listen to. You and I are on the, we're we're all on the same list of people. So there must be some crossover. There's definitely crossover. There's definitely crossover. And like, to me, that's like a beautiful gift. You know, like if nothing else ever comes from this podcast, just the fact that people find each other. Totally. And And that we're not so separate. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I've enjoyed by doing this is like having a Discord community where people share art and memes and what they're going through and trip reports and, you know, a variety of whatever it is. So it's it's been really special to like have that space and just like try to extend. I don't know. Patreon.com slash Church of Chill. And um, yeah, don't put us on a pedestal or anything, because even to us, we're the least likely people that would ever like have a community and have a podcast and like have our ideas uh, received by people. We're the least likely people even to ourselves. So. I, I think anyone has it in them to do any form of self-expression they feel drawn to. There are no barriers except the ones you've put up yourself. Thank you for that. And thank you for being on Horror Pod. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yes. Anytime. Okay. Bye. Bye, Lacey. Thank you for listening to Horror Pod, friends. If you want to book a reading with me, go to LaceyFree.com. If you liked this episode of HorrorPod, please like, subscribe, and leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at LaceyIsFree, free, or you can hit me up at LaceyFree.com. And come hang out with us on Patreon 
at Patreon slash Lacey Free.